Hello, friends, and welcome to the Coastline Baptist Church podcast. We hope this message will equip, encourage, and edify you in your journey of life. We'd love to connect with you. Please email us at info at coastlinecc.org. And for more information about our church and our services, visit coastlinecc.org. Now let's open our hearts and open God's Word. How many, though, did stay up until midnight last night? Stay up till midnight last night? Come on. I made it. I made it. I feel like I told my wife, I said, I feel like every year that goes by, it's more like, do we really have to, though? You know, it's just, do we really have to? It's like, what are we really doing? I just talked to Joel this morning about, we were, well, I was trying to watch the Georgia, um, Ohio State game, which was, which was really close, and I was folding laundry, and I'm like, oh my goodness, it's like 11.54, and there's like three minutes, two minutes left in the game, and I'm like, and my wife, we obviously always watch, we, we've watched the ball drop together for our entire marriage, like almost 13 years. So it's like, we can't miss it, but I really want to see if this guy gets his field goal. So I'm literally like on YouTube TV, like going back and forth, going back to Dick Clark and Ryan Seacrest. I'm like, okay, all right, we got a minute and a half. Let's go back. All right, kick the ball, bro. Like, hurry up. And then he kicked it wide left. And I got back and I think there was like 12 seconds left of the ball, something like that. And we made it. And uh, so I stayed up till midnight. Um, how many of you are excited for the new year? Excited for the new year? I am. How many? Uh, uh, I don't know. For you, I was, I never thought a year could be crazier than 2020. Right? 2020 was crazy. 2022 blew that out of the water, I feel, for me personally. I'm like, wow, like that was a tough year. How many are ready for 2022 to be over? Okay, well it is. So congratulations, you got your wish. It's over and I'm right there with you for some some of us this year, this year was, this past year was probably the most challenging of our lives for some of us, whatever it may be. Some of our most gut-wrenching heartaches, our most stressful circumstances, maybe some of you lived through these things this past, this past year. To be honest, this new year, 2023, you could probably lose your job, you could, your car could break down, you'd get a bad case of the shingles, and still it would be a better year than 2022. For some of us, we say things like, this is going to be my year. Like, this new year is going to be my year. New year, new me. All these little phrases. Things are going to be different this year. And truthfully, yes, you talk about New Year's resolution, things like that. You know, we can, we can create new habits in our lives and new disciplines and things like that. And eat better and work out more and read more and all those different things. But more than likely, those crappy times in 2020, those, those challenging situations in 2022 probably for the most part, were kind of out of our control to begin with. It was things that came into our lives kind of last minute. Someone shut those doors real quick. Just, just, I don't want to interrupt dad's class because I, I don't want to get too loud. And, I, and um, you know, I'll get distracted. I have ADHD, so I kind of lose focus really easily. Um, Y'all, if you know me, you know that. But, but those situations in 2022 that were so difficult and challenging for us and brought heartache and brought stress and brought anxiety and brought fill in the blank, more than likely, those situations were kind of out of our control. In 2023, 2023, for the most part, will also be out of my control and out of your control. And that's, that's okay. And you say, well, how is that okay? Like, I want more control. I want, I want to know what's going on. How is that okay? Why is that okay? Because, because the truth is, I may not be in control. I may not have my hands open, but God is in control. And God is in control of your life. And, and Jesus reigns in your life. So yes, 2022 may have been full of 
tough circumstances for each and every one of us in various ways. But through it all, can I tell you, can I remind you, we're all here together, aren't we? We all just sang out that all my life, you have been faithful. I'm going to sing of the goodness of God. Hey, we made it to right now, right? How? By the grace of God. By the power of God. By the love of God. Jesus reigns in your life. And he will in this year too. It's about Jesus. And I want to take this morning and just challenge you and encourage you with some thoughts about new life. And in this new year, having new life. Jesus is the answer. He is our hope. I want to read you some things about who Jesus is. I want you to take it to heart. Jesus is my truth. He is my rescue. He is the source of my joy. He is the access to peace. He is peace. He is what I need when I know that I need him. And he's what I need when I don't know that I need him. He's everything I'll ever need. He's the only thing I'll ever need. He's the forgiveness for my past, the grace for my present, and the hope for my future. He's the bearer of our burdens. He's the helper of our hearts. He's the lover of my soul, the friend that will never leave. He's the, the father that will never fail, the savior that my soul needs. He's the light in my darkness. Can you think about a dark time in your life? And recognize the light that Jesus brought to your soul. He's the healer of my hurts. Brings peace. Speaks conviction to my soul. Calls me to greater things. Speaks painful truth to the lies of my heart that I often believe. He soothes the soul in distress. He tells me who I really am, but who I can be. He brings new life. He brings new beginnings. He brings second chances and beyond. That's who Jesus is for all of us. And what better way to start this new year to grow as individual believers than by rejoicing over the new life that is found in Jesus. John chapter 11, if you have your Bibles, please go there. You can use your phone. I'll have some of the scripture, just one of the scriptures on screen. I want, there's so much, I just want to read it this morning. John chapter 11, and the first verse, we're going to be kind of continuing our series in John coming up, and we'll probably... Um, you know, be able to skip over this passage because we're doing it this morning. But John chapter 11, verse number 1, the scripture says this. It says, Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. So John chapter 11 starts off with a pretty big problem, okay, with an issue. This, is, this isn't good. And the solution that the sisters of La Lazarus is sick, Okay, he's sick, and, and he's going to die. He's, I'm going to read it in just a second. And his sisters have a solution. I'm going to read. You just follow along. I want you to see this first verse so you just can know this is what's going on in the passage here. True story. This really happened. Verse 2 says, It was Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment, wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sisters, Mary and Martha, sent, out, uh, sent unto him, saying, Lord... Behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. Jesus and Lazarus were friends. They, were, they grew up together. They knew each other. They, and, and there was relationship there. And the sister said, hey, you need to come and heal Lazarus. He's sick. They sent word to him. Verse 4, Jesus says this. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified 
thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had therefore heard that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he, where he was. So Jesus waits to go. His sister calls and call, gets word to Jesus, probably through his disciples, and says, hey, you need to get here to Bethany. You need to get here to this town where we live because Lazarus is sick and he's not doing good. Jesus says, well, this is not, he's not going to die. It's fine. And what does Jesus do? Instead of, you know, rushing there like they wanted him to, he waited. It says he stayed two days in the same place. He already knows what's going to happen. He knows when it will happen, how it will happen. And he goes on to say this. He, he says, let's go to Judea again. And they said, uh, I'm going to skip ahead to a few verses right here. Verse number um, 11. These things said he, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth. He's talking to his disciples. But I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. So they're, they're thinking, hey, like, if he's just sleeping, he's fine. He's probably feeling better. Verse 13, Howbeit Jesus spake of his death. But they thought that he had spoken of taking of rest in sleep. Then said Jesus unto them, and I love that the scriptures put the word here plainly, kind of matter-of-factly, no big deal. Jesus said unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. This person that Jesus loved, a, a close relationship, sisters had sent word days before, come and heal him, come, he needs your help, he needs your help. Jesus was already famous for healing sick people, making the lame to walk again, giving the blind sight. Jesus' uh, uh, reputation had gone far and wide over the, over the country. Everybody knew what he was capable of. So the sisters, his close friends, like, you need to come and help Lazarus. Jesus doesn't go. He says, Lazarus is dead. In verse 15, he says this, And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there. To the intent that you may believe, nevertheless, let us go unto him. So think about it. Jesus doesn't go. The, the, the sisters have, an, have a solution to their problem with their brother being sick. Find Jesus, get Jesus, and he's going to fix this. That's what their answer was. Well, Jesus doesn't go. And then he goes on to tell his disciples in this passage, Lazarus is dead and I'm glad I wasn't there to stop it. Like, whoa, it seems almost callous. Like, really? Like, I, I don't get it. Verse 17. And then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off, and many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary, the sisters of Lazarus, to comfort them concerning that their brother had died. So people were coming from all over to like comfort them and encourage them. Verse number 20, Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. And, and I, I can't do the, the words justice because I can't just imagine the grief in her voice. Lord, if you had just been here, he's already been dead four days in the grave. If you had just been here, if you just come when we called, he wouldn't have died. But she finishes it with this in verse 22. But I know that even now, Whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. So we finally get to here. Martha says, if, if you had only been here, my brother would be alive. And, and can I ask you this morning, church, have you been in a situation like Martha? Have you been in a spot where, where you know, God, how could you let this happen? 
What are you, what are you doing? All of us. Where, where are you? What, what, what's going on? And because we don't see the, the whole picture that God is painting of our lives, we don't see the whole picture and beauty that he's painting in our lives, even with those trials and tragedies, because we don't see the whole picture he's painting, we just want to throw out the whole canvas and say, you know what? Forget it. God, where are you? My goodness, we were just talking to Lindsay, shared a story of a friend of hers, her sister's friend, seven months pregnant, engaged to be married, and her husband or her fiance out working out, um, has a brain aneurysm and passes away, like 20-something years old. And you hear stories like that, and you're like, well, God, what are you doing? Now this, this young girl with a baby almost here is going to have to, how, what are you doing, Lord? What's going on? We can look. We can open the newspaper. Look at your own life sometimes. Say, God, like, I'm trying to serve you. I'm trying to live for you. These people, Mary and Martha, they're followers of Christ, believe him. And yet, these things are still happening. Like, what are you doing, God? And Martha, you know, you know is speaking from a broken heart. Listen, asking God why isn't wrong. Demanding a reason Demanding a reason why. You're going to tell me why this? That that's, ends up becoming sin in our hearts. But asking God why. I've asked God why a lot this year. God, why did you allow our house to be, you know, our landlord to sell? We were very comfortable. Things were going well. The church was, man, we had our, I remember we had our great Sunday with a big crowd. And then the next day I get an email and she's selling the house. We couldn't afford it. We've been moving, moving, moving. We're going to move again in the spring. Lord, what are you doing? Like, this doesn't make sense to me. We see the problem. We don't see the plan that God has. We, we, we see the, the moment of pain that we're dealing with that we don't like, not the miracle that's on the way. That, that's how we function. We, we see the heartache that's there already, not the heart change that's coming. It's so easy for us to live in those moments and just be weighed down and to feel like failures and to feel like hopeless when God is at work and Martha is speaking from a broken heart and Jesus is gracious. Verse 23, after Martha had said, if you had just been here, he would, have, he would have still be alive. But if you want to, you can do whatever you want. Verse 23, Jesus saith unto her, thy brother shall rise again. And Martha misses it and says, said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the, at the last day. She goes, well, I know one day we're all going to rise together to be in heaven with you. And she's thinking it's more like a spiritual thing and and Jesus says, verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? He says, I'm the resurrection. No, forget about that. We're not talking about the last resurrection, the last days that Martha. No, I'm the resurrection, Jesus says. I am life. Jesus speaks hope to her in regards to her problem. And he's doing the same thing for us today. And when she doesn't get it, when she kind of misunderstands what he's saying, uh, uh, he, he, he tells her that not only can he give life, but that he is life. I am the resurrection life. I can bring you back to life because I am life. And Jesus is saying, I, I, can, I can fix your marriage because I'm the sure foundation for marriage. Jesus is the answer. I can help your insecurity because I, can, I want to be your identity. That's what Jesus is speaking to us. I can tear down walls of bitterness in your heart because I am love. I am the ultimate restorer. Death to life 
is what he does. That's Jesus. I've seen it in my own life personally. His rescue, the life that he brings, new life. You can spend your entire life in church, grow up in Sunday school, know all the books of the Bible and all the scriptures, all the Bible stories, and know all about that stuff and still live empty. And I can say that because I did it. You can have the great-looking marriage and all the kids and still be living empty. That was me, church. Only Jesus can bring new life. Verse 32. Mary was come where Jesus was, and she saw him. She fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. Now, this is sister, the sister, not Martha, but Mary now. But Martha had said, if you had, if you had been here, he would have died, but whatever you want to do, you, could, you can do whatever you want. Mary comes almost with just the beginning part. says, if you had just been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And just stop, boom. Brokenhearted. I think we more often relate to Mary. And just... Lord, and we just, we just, we struggle with faith. Verse 33, when Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in his spirit and was troubled and said, where have ye laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus, and it says in verse 35, the shortest verse in all the Bible, one of the most powerful verses in all the Bible, just two words, John 8, 35, uh, John eleven thirty-five. 35, it just says, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Looks around, he sees Mary and Martha weeping. He sees the people weeping. He sees his friend. uh, He sees the tomb where his friend is laid, and it says, Jesus wept. And I want you to understand how much truth is in that short scripture. That when you're facing heartache, and when you're facing difficulty, and when you're facing unsureness, when you're wallowing in grief, and you're stressed and anxious that he's right there with you. He's right there with you. And when you cry tears on your pillow and no one else knows, he's right there with you. And not sitting there saying, well, if you had just listened to me that time I told you to do that, then you would... That's not Jesus. He's with us. Even after Mary says, if you had just been here, Jesus still weeps with her, doesn't he? He knows her heart is broken. Verse 36, then said the Jews, behold, how he loved him. As they see Jesus weeping. And some of them said, could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? Thinking if he had just got here sooner, he could have healed him. Verse 38, Jesus therefore again groaning in himself cometh to the grave. It was a cave and a stone lay upon it. The stone was blocking the entrance to this cave where Lazarus, dead Lazarus, laid. Verse uh, 39, Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. And Mary, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. And he's probably right. Verse 40, Jesus saith unto her, Said it unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where he, the dead was laid. Listen to this, church. Don't miss this. You may know the story, but listen to it again. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always. Because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Remember, 
dead Lazarus, four days dead. Stone was already rolled in front of the door. People are weeping and mourning over the loss of Lazarus. Jesus rolls the, has the stone rolled away, shouts out at the entrance of the tomb, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Lazarus, who was dead, comes out of the grave. Who knows how he walked? He was all tied up in the grave clothes. They had wrapped him up. He comes out in these grave clothes, and Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on him. But some of them went their ways to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. We see in this passage a miraculous event, a literal dead man brought back to life through the power of God. Amazing story. The rejoicing that must have been in, in that moment. I wish we could step back and see it. Amazing. And the same power that breathed life into the dust of the earth and created Adam in the book of Genesis, breathes new life into Lazarus. We see Lazarus come forth. The carpenter's son from Nazareth, who used to build furniture with his dad, came to the tomb four days after a man has died, weeps over the loss, has them roll away the stone and calls out his name. And this dead man, wrapping grave clothes, suddenly wakes up from the sleep of death, hearing in his ears, sight in his eyes, uh, probably wondering what's going on as he looks around and his face is covered with this napkin because uh, he was dead. A few days earlier, probably remembers taking that last breath, closing his eyes in death, more than likely surrounded by his sisters and family. And suddenly he's stumbling out into the sunlight, swinging his legs over the edge of that stone that he probably lay on in that tomb and is unwrapped and is loose of these clothes and is brought back to life, new Life. What excitement, what joy. If you think about it, church, you can hear the cries of happiness and of excitement and the laughter. Like, can you believe this? After all they'd seen Jesus do, now he does something like this. It's amazing. What a miracle. And through this story, we see that Jesus brings new life with just these three words. Lazarus, come forth, and he comes out. So, church, where are you at today? Have you grown accustomed to just going through the motions of life. Most of us just kind of let life happen to us. We have our schedules, we have our jobs, all these things. And we just kind of go through the motions of life. So you're saved, but you're not really living in that abundant life that Jesus talked about. What you need is new life. Maybe your walk with God, your time spent with the Lord and His Word is struggling. It's kind of non-existent. Maybe your prayer life is, is weak. Maybe you just can't seem to make the time, find the time, whatever. And, or when you do try, it just doesn't feel like you're doing anything. And your prayer life is struggling. Maybe, maybe you know, you don't, you don't share your faith with anybody. You're too nervous to. Or you don't even think about it. Maybe you just live carelessly. Maybe you live apathetically. You just don't care. Maybe you, you're, between, you're, you're between the prodigal son and the older brother, and you're here, but your heart isn't. Like, you're here, you're faithful, you're in God's house, you're part of the church, but your, your heart's not really fully committed to it. Other things are more important in life than God and the things of God. And the truth, the truth is, for many of us, we've been saved for a long time, but we've, we've grown so unaware of the presence of God in our lives. And we just, we just, we kind of go through the motions of life. We live 
without his guiding hand. And, and Christian, you know this, that problems still come. And challenges still come. And loneliness still haunts. And insecurity still reigns in some of our hearts. And stress still shows up. And impatience still flares up in our lives. When things go wrong, temptation still knocks at your door. Bitterness still binds some of your hearts. Unforgiveness is still a part of some of you. Anxiety still hangs on. Fear is still looming. And in church, what I'm trying to say is this. How long, how long you believe in Jesus doesn't change you. Only Jesus changes you. You could have believed in Jesus and lived a Christian life for your entire life and still not really know Jesus and, and, and not, never really have met him in a deep way that begins to change you. Jesus is the one who brings new life to a dying marriage. Jesus is the one who gives grace to the worried parent. Jesus is the one who gives hope to the discouraged pastor. Jesus is the one who gives wisdom to a young church. Jesus is the one who gives peace to the anxious soul and guidance to the wandering heart. He is the one with all the answers because he is the answers. All across the board, it's Jesus. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Jesus is building you. He is trying to give you new life this year. Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Jesus has started something in you. You're saved. You've given him your heart. You've trusted in him. He is working in you. We've got to stop fighting against it. Lazarus died. And because of that death, we got to see God, Jesus, do a miracle and bring him back to life. And sometimes things in our life have to die, don't we, so we can see God bring new life. Sometimes we have to face those challenges and heartaches and trials so that we can practice our faith. What need is there for faith and trust when everything is perfect? So well, that doesn't really make a lot of sense. Well, it's not really supposed to. <laughs> it's just the way life is, isn't it? That's just reality. He's trying to bring new life into your life. He brings new hope. He brings second chances. He brings real change. The coastline, Jesus, Jesus is working in our church. I have to remind myself that sometimes. Sometimes I want to be so much further along than we are. If I'm being honest, I'm like, oh, I wish, we, I wish this place was full. Man, I wish this. I wish we had more money. I wish we had all these things for our church. We could do this and that. I wish we all. And, and I have to just, God has a way of just slowing me down and just saying, just follow me, Donald. Stop trying to lead the way, Donald. Trust me. And that goes for every part of our life. We have to just let him lead. You need him more than you could ever realize. After this story happens, we see in John 12, the next chapter immediately after, the first verse says, Then, when, then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. I love that we see in this last chapter here, this last scripture that I just read, that Jesus saw the, 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 the author John and God saw fit to remind everybody that Lazarus, this wasn't just, a, this really happened, and it's just a reminder of like, hey, yeah, we went back to Bethany where Lazarus, who was dead, is now alive. Jesus is new life. And unfortunately, church, many of us, you know what we have in our life? We have, we have lifelessness in our Christian life. You're here today. That's great. I love it. I appreciate it. But you and I both know that 
The Christian life and following Jesus is a lot more than coming to church. It's commitment. It's commitment. And not just to a set of services and things like that, although I think that's a part of it. Scriptures say, forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. So you, man, be here. We only have one service. Be here. But, but way beyond that. It's trusting Jesus with every part of your life. The good, the bad, the ugly. It's being open with each other. The family of God. Brothers and sisters in Christ. It's sharing truth with each other. It's, it's, it's looking back at this past year with, yes, with eyes of some of us, grief, and oh man, that was tough, but also with eyes of grace. And like, look what God did. Look where he's brought us. Look what he's doing. And looking forward to this new year with hope. I can't wait to see what God does. Instead of saying, I hope this year is good. I hope this year is fine. I hope. Looking forward, saying, I can't wait to see what God does in my life in this new year. That's faith. That, that's, that's hopefulness. That, that's hope saying, God is going to work in me. He wants to change you. You've never arrived. May we always be hearing that truth from Jesus, from the Holy Spirit of God, challenging us to greater things, pushing us to greater things. It's a new day. It's a new year. And the scriptures say that his mercies are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. So when we get to the end of 2023 in 12 months, what testimonies are you going to have to look back on? Are you going to be able to say, you know what, we did face some heartache and challenges, but we trusted God. We stayed strong. Not because we're strong people, but because His strength is made perfect in our weakness. Man, let's commit this new year to Him. Let's crush the lies of the enemy about ourselves. We're not failures. We're not losers. We're the children of God. You're a child of God. Stop believing lies about yourself and trust in the only one who speaks truth. He is truth. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. God is faithful. He's real, church. He's working in you. Would you take just a moment? You've heard enough from me. To quiet your hearts. Listen for the voice of God in your life right now. God, what do you want from me this year? God, whatever you want, take it. Change me. Use me. Work in me. Guide me into all truth. What better way to start the new year off than with a moment of reflection on what God has done this past year and leaving Him for the future. I want you to take a moment, church, and earnestly pray for God to work in your lives and to show you what He wants from you this year. Thank you again for listening to the Coastline Baptist Church Podcast. We hope the message was an encouragement to your heart. Please connect with us through our website, coastlinecc.org, or on Facebook or Instagram. Send us a message, send us an email, and we'd love to connect with you. We'd also love if you could visit us for a Sunday morning service. You can find our address on our website, and our services start at 10 a.m. Our mission at Coastline is simply this, to know Jesus deeply and to show Jesus daily. I hope that we've helped you do that in your life today.
Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.